Here's a chance for the equaliser. Oh, what a beauty. Oh, yes. It's gone in. What a touch that is. On the reverse, takes the shot. And scores. Listening to Totally Pro League. This is hockey. There's a deflection shot, beats the keeper. Play waved on, there's the shot, goes goal Blues. And this is Totally Pro League. I'm your host, John Lee, and it's a pleasure to be joined for episode six. By Grant Schubert, the last of the Australian games done and dusted, so uh, thought we'd get Grant in here to discuss those. Welcome, how are you? G'day John, good to be back once again for the second time. Uh, I'm very excited to speak about these games that happened on the weekend. I've got my gold microphone on order since the second oh. time round, so <laughs> start to upgrade things a bit in here for you. <laughs> it's just what the room needs, yeah. is gold. Um, well, let's, let's get into the games from the weekend. Um, of course, there were four games played here in Australia uh, involving the Australians, New Zealand and Argentina. But the weekend got underway in Spain at the Estadio Badero in Valencia. And it was Spain versus Germany. And, well, didn't Spain just turn it on again for us? <laughs> you know, yeah, they did. And a uh, bit of a surprise, another draw for Spain. Oh, they, uh, <laughs> they got close to their win once again. But... Um, as Germany do a lot of times, they find that goal uh, late in games and um, that's probably something that the, the Spanish have been doing recently is letting those late goals in. Well, the game was tied at one all at quarter time. It was still one all at half time, so it was a pretty much a dour battle still at that stage. Uh, both teams scored a goal in the third period and uh, by full time, they both scored in the last quarter as well to make it four all. Before it ended the the shootout, and well, as we all know, Spain, uh, the masters of the shootout, and uh, Kiko Cortez is also the master goalkeeper of shootouts, and I believe has won yet another Matt Allen <laughs> Shootout Player of the Week award. Um, <laughs> what well, what is it with Spain? Where are Spain? Are they not good enough to win, or too good to lose? Oh, look, I think. Um Look, they're just leaking a lot of goals. They seem to be getting... Um, well, I think they're making the most of their opportunities, put it that way. I don't think okay. they've they've set these games on, on fire, but they just seem to be, be able to... Um, you know, the, the small number of circle entries that they've been getting, they've been able to um, process goals from them. So, um, you know, Pau Kamada just seems to be able to get little knock-ins on the back post, which is... Um, you know, he's just got so much experience there. I'm not sure why these teams aren't really, you know, picking up on it. He's, you know, he's got a couple of good shots, but he's got a lot of, you know, far post sort of tap-ins. So, um, you know, they're ones that they, they build up and they add up. Um, you know, unfortunately, they just can't quite get the job done defensively to keep those um, games late. And uh, it'll be interesting to see whether this, uh, you know, harms them or helps them, the, the series of bonus points, because it's still not the full three points, is it? Okay, you can go hallelujah, oh, we got a bonus point, but it, ultimately you, you need the three points, so that extra point's probably not going to help you necessarily. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, and, and um, you know, I think early on, I mean if it keeps happening and happening, look, we're almost halfway through now and they still haven't won a game, so that'll start to, to play on their mind, and I think you'll find that other teams as well they'll be like, look, Spain can't rent out these games, we're, we're still in with the chance here, even though there's five, ten minutes to go, and they might be one or two goals down. And of course, as uh, all the teams 
get focused on Europe as the season goes on. There'll be a few more games there, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. I, I just think it's going to cost them in the end. For yeah. every every three games they win a bonus point in a shootout, they fall one win behind. Yeah, and that's right. And look, they're, they're currently sitting sixth on the table. And, um, you know, if they, they converted even two of those games, they'd, they'd probably be pretty close to the top four. Well, following that match on the Saturday, it was back down to the Sydney Olympic Park in Sydney and didn't Sydney just turn the weather on for the hockey this weekend? It wasn't the best weather for uh, oh, hockey no. and, um, yeah, it was good to see some of the um, Hockey Australia staff get out there and uh, push the water back from was that, the, uh, the field. Was that Tonks? Yeah, it was Tonks. Oh, I thought it was yes. underneath that plastic <laughs> bag or whatever he had. He tried to cover himself <laughs> up, but he was good enough just to, to leave his face shown so people could see that he's actually putting in some hard yards. But look, you know, it's good to see. He does a lot of work off the yeah, field yeah, for does. Hockey Australia. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to see him... You know, as I said, putting the hard yards to get these games going because there might be a lot of people that say, look, it's it's too hard, don't worry about it. But, um, you know, it's good to see them clear off the pitch, get the water off, and uh, they got the game started on time. That's good to see they got some redundancy in that situation. <laughs> get the mop out and work, yeah. get some elbow grease into it. Yeah, scritchies. Well, uh, let's kick off with those games. First of all, it's Australia versus Argentina. Um, on the Saturday, and uh, the men kicked off Saturday afternoon with a, a 3 p.m. game. And uh, well, what did you make of this game, Grant? Australia run out winners 3-2. Eventually, they had a 2-0 lead at, at um, quarter time and a half to lead half half time lead of 3-0. They were very much comfortably in control of that game, but Spain fought back quite well in that second half. Yeah, Argentina. Yeah, they um, look. They were in control for most of the game, and and um you know, I've been very impressed with the way that Australia have really held on to the ball in the games that they've played, apart from probably that, that game against Belgium where they really struggled to to hold possession of the ball. They did um, very well against Argentina, um, you know, got to a 3-0 lead. They'll be disappointed that they didn't continue that on and let Argentina back into the game late, um, which I have done on a couple of occasions. But good to see Jeremy Haywood, um, you know, get on the board with his, his penalty corners flick penalty corner flicks he's really starting to rifle them and obviously Blake Govers so um, you know the more they've been scoring a lot of field goals you know it'd be great to see those guys get get their confidence up and um, start putting their PCs away as well. Oh, Blake would have been very happy Blake Govers to get on the scoreboard because <laughs> they had a special presentation for his brother too didn't they post was it post or pre that game? Uh, it might have been pre I'm not sure but yeah it was good to see Kieran get recognised yeah. for his um, his great efforts for Australia um, I think he's a double World Cup um, gold medalist so it's you know Olympic, Olympic game uh, medalist as well I think as well so yeah. um, you know great to see him recognised and I think that's something that Hockey Australia doing much better than what they used to so it's good to see um, you know those um, those people recognised for their efforts Look that was a very important win for Australia too in the context of the the, the Pro League table which we'll talk about shortly but you know it's it's four wins on the trot and the more wins bank now is uh, it's going to stand them in good stand come the back half of the competition when it, the the fixture is heavily weighted at the back end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's, like you said, that's something that Australia needed to do while they're playing these games at home um, is get those points on the board early because we all know that travelling away um, can start to take its toll. So to get these points on the board early is going to be very important for Australia. Uh, next game, the women's game, Australia versus Argentina, going on away at 5 o'clock locally in Sydney and um, well it was an intriguing game 1-0 victory to Argentina I thought this was a game that could have quite a few goals in it Uh, I still thought Argentina win but I thought Australia had pot at least a couple and um, it was quite a dour struggle in the end (laughs) 
Yeah, look, I think um, both look, both teams had their chances, and I think um, you know both coaches would be disappointed that that more goals um, weren't put on the board. Obviously, Argentina would be very happy to get away with a win. I think that was you know probably going to be one of the tougher tougher games there, and um, you know like Australia versus Argentina in the men, um, the same side for the women. I think these games if you can get those wins you know that might just be the difference between you getting in four spot um, or missing out uh, you mentioned before the the power commander and other goal scorers pinching goals off the back post <laughs> there and when you when you look at the goal that was scored in that game between against Australia and Argentina it was it was a really poor goal wasn't it in, in this, if you're a defense defender you're looking at that game well that sucks yeah well I think um, you know it was a good pass down the right hand side and then um, you know they they probably should have been stopped on the outside of the circle unfortunately um, I can't remember who it was that was coming around the outside great crossing in the circle nice and flat and and look a a great deflection but a little bit loose marking there and um, you know they got on the reverse side the reverse side and um, were able to to put in the back of the net yeah it's it's one of those ones where when you're a fullback you look at you just start looking around at other blokes you know you're picking them up marking who yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you you take them as they come and it was enough in that game and um the Australians, well, it was probably a game not many people were expecting they were going to win outright. Maybe they could have, got, you know, sport's funny, it can happen, but uh, I don't know that they were disappointed necessarily to lose, but I think the way that the game was played out, they were probably a little bit disappointed with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I suppose, you know, you can look at it also, it was it was one that got away, but I think maybe they could probably look at it and learn from it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Generally, you know, if you lose games like this, you probably... You know, look at them and dissect them a little bit harder than what you would if 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 you won the game. So, um, you know, it, it could be a good thing. Um, obviously, very disappointed, but hopefully, um, you know, that puts them in good stead for future games. Then on Sunday, the Australians backed up again. This time it was against New Zealand, and uh, we'll talk about backing up between games in a little soon. Uh, first up, the men, and well, it was in the end quite a comprehensive victory. The game got underway at 3 p.m. Uh, Skies leaden and rain falling, but the, as we said, Tonks and the team got the games underway. Uh, Australia led 2-1 at quarter time after scoring the 12th and 14th minute. New Zealand just pegging one there on quarter time. But from there, it was pretty much Australia's game. They added another goal before half time to lead 3-1 and then two more in the third quarter to take out the game five goals to one. Um, probably went to script. Yeah, I think so. Um Look, Australia really showed the the class here against the Kiwis, and we're on top for for all of the game. It could have been could have been a lot worse, I, I thought. But um, look, it was good to see a few guys. Tom Wickham got on the on the board a couple yeah. of times, so it was good to see him. You know, hopefully get some confidence. Obviously, um, you know, Jeremy Hayward, um, and then you know, just the, the nail in the coffin was when you know Bill stole the the ball off McAleese at the back and. <laughs> You know, if there's one person that you don't want to uh, have the ball one-on-one with a goalkeeper, it'd be Daniel Beale. He's um, he's so skillful and duly converted that um, that turnover. Well, they're they're a good side, Australia. Uh, there's no doubting that. Everybody knows that, and they're they're just settling into this competition, I would think, and they're just banking up points. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see how um, you know Colin Batch finalises his team. He's he's made a lot of changes, you know, through each weekend. I think you know, he's. he's Maybe had five or six, um, you know, changes through that um, the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how the team sort of settles. Um, and I know when I played, it was really good to have a settled team playing together for a while. Um, 
you know, hopefully they can start to, I suppose, and he will, he'll narrow this down to, to work out what's going to be the best combination going forward in Europe. And the final game for the afternoon at 5pm was the women's match, Australia and New Zealand. And, um, well, this was certainly a game I think the Australian girls thought, well, we can, we can get the points from this one, but it wasn't to be. New Zealand put in a sterling performance. Nil all at quarter time. They managed to put away a goal just after quarter time. They led 1-0 at the half. Then another goal in the third quarter, a 2-0 lead. Australia came back with a goal in the 48th minute in the final quarter. Wasn't enough though. New Zealand scored again in the 52nd minute. And um, you'll never guess who was leading her merry way across the scoreboard. <laughs> Number four, Olivia Merry scoring New Zealand's first two goals. Uh, one of them was an absolute ripper. One of them was another seagull out the back there. <laughs> but uh, a great victory for New Zealand, 3-1 at the end. And uh, the girls were obviously ecstatic with that uh, that victory. The Australians, perhaps not so much. And uh, perhaps we'll hear what Paul Godoyne thought about the game post-match. And thanks to uh, FIH uh, Facebook page for providing this piece of audio. Oh, look, we've got to be able to finish. You know that that's a clear concern for us. We had a number of chances, and um, you know we're not putting them away, and that's giving other teams opportunities. And uh, you know they got a couple of breaks maybe their way, but um, you know we don't want that to happen, and we need to be better in our attacking third to to capitalise on some really quality chances. I think also there was uh, they need to work on their defence. <laughs> uh, they also need to work on their midfield at the moment because that didn't look like the team that I saw at the Perth Hockey Stadium a few weeks ago. Yeah, look, I think um, they'd be very disappointed that the way those or uh, well, the weekend result went, especially um, I think against New Zealand and maybe you know that tough game um, against Argentina, probably some heavy legs as well yeah. from the turf being pretty wet. Um, yeah. You know, probably took its toll against New Zealand. They just didn't seem to have that that run and that carry in the ball that they've had recently in the last yeah. few games. Um, and as you said, Paul Godoy there was obviously very disappointed that they weren't you know, able to finish off their shots and, um, you know, a couple of scrambles here and there, um, you know, the scoreline could have been different. But, um, you know, looking back at it, you just, you know, you can't leave Olivia Mary in the circle on the spot, you know, no. basically by herself there. She's she's probably one of the tallest attackers in uh, world women's hockey at the moment. And uh, for her to be alone, as I said, nine yards, you know, eight yards out from, from the circle in front, um, you know that's always going to get buried in, buried in the back of the net. So very disappointed, I'm sure the um, you know the hockey rules would be, but um, you know it's just something they've got to take on their chin and make sure that they, um, as I said, they review the games and then move on and um, and get some results coming up. And uh, Olivia Mary spoke to the FIH uh, post the game, and uh, this one comes to us courtesy of the Hockey Rees Facebook page. I guess playing them at home, it's always something pretty special to be able to beat them at home, and they're a fantastic side, and yeah, we really came out sort of um, probably yeah firing from the get-go, and I think that really put us in good, good stead. Great, and you scored a couple yourself, that must be a great feeling as well? Yeah, I guess I always team goal, so yeah, I think it's a good team performance, and then yeah, just... Lucky to be in the end of it. Yeah, great. And a bit of tragic events back home, and how did the team come together? Yeah, it was pretty sad. I am actually from Christchurch as well myself, so yeah, it was pretty um, devastating the last couple of days, and obviously we've been following it pretty closely, and my heart just, just goes out to all those people affected, and yeah, this one was definitely for them, and really appreciate Australia Hockey putting on a minute of silence for them, because yeah, it was a, a massive tragedy, and, and like people say, New Zealand's darkest days. 
And that was Olivia Merry talking post the Australian New Zealand women's game on Sunday. And of course, they went into that game with the uh, the cloud of the horrible events of Christchurch hanging over both teams. I would imagine it have been on a lot of minds and. Um, you know, a great effort to get out there and compete the way they did for both teams to have done that on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it would have it would have been very very tough for um, for those uh, you know guys and girls that um, you know not only just in Christchurch but but all over New Zealand. You know, it's such a small company and they're such a tight knit um, you know country that it was obviously very sad and would have been very tough for them to play. But um, you know, look, it was a, it was a great scene before the games where both teams got in a circle before the match and and had that minute silence. Minute silence. I think it was um, you know it was a great gesture. Um, you know, not only by Hockey Australia but Hockey New Zealand to do that as well. And um, and um, you know, hopefully everyone can move on these and um, you know be better for it. And uh, well done to everybody else for retweeting all of the photos of that over the weekend. They've got a lot of support. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Pro League. John Lee and Grant Schubert here with you. Episode 6, and um, let's get to uh, the tables and the goal scorers, shall we, Grant? Just quickly before we get to a couple of other discussion points, uh, let's have a look here. The goal scorers for the women, well, as we mentioned, Olivia Merry, she's just on fire at the moment. Five field goals, two penalty quarters, and a penalty stroke, which gives her a total of eight goals. And uh, New Zealand have played how many games? Seven games, I believe, at this stage on the women's side of things. Uh, if I can just get my um, research organised. Uh, New Zealand played eight games. So she's going a goal a game. You'd be happy with that as a striker, yeah, wouldn't you? Absolutely. A uh, couple of well, There's a string of players who are on three goals. Savannah Pitt. Fitzpatrick from Australia, Frederica Matla from the Netherlands, Delfina Marino uh, from Argentina, also Amy Robinson from New Zealand, and uh, Mariah Williams from Australia. Uh, 75 goals from 23 games for the women. It's up 0.7 of a goal per game to four per game. So the girls are... are Coming up as the boys, well, actually, they stabilise a little bit that, this week. But uh, 44 of those 75 goals from the, um, the field, which is going at about 58%. you got the men there in front of you. Yeah, Pal Kamana, the old fella. He's um, sitting top of the table <laughs> on uh, five goals there. Chucked a few sneaky ones in this weekend. Uh, Hugo Inglis um, is on four goals. And we've got probably about 10 guys that are on, um, on three goals. So Jacob Anderson, Daniel Beal from Australia, um, Terry Brinkman. Um, he's got three from Netherlands. Adam Dixon from Great Britain. Jeremy Haywood, Jeroen uh, Hertzberger, Phil Roper, Lucas Filler, who's actually playing very well. I've been very. Um, he's he's probably the the best player for Argentina at the moment. He seemed to be running rings around everyone. Um, Sam Ward and uh, Tom Wickham's got himself um, into that. Uh, bracket of three goal scorers as well so the guys have scored a total of 83 uh, goals 30 of those have been from um, penalty corners so um, yeah sorry 83 goals and 30 so a couple of penalty strokes there they've got 116 going at 5.5 a game slightly so up from last just week up there that's it? right yeah but, uh, a few bigger scores this week yeah, well, obviously, if they keep have Spain keeps playing, <laughs> we're going to see that goal. That's going to go up. Uh, the tables now for the women's side of things. A couple of changes this week. Not at the top. The Netherlands remain there. They've played five games. They've got a percentage of 80% from their four wins. Uh, then some things have moved around. Um, 
Argentina have slipped into second place ahead of Australia, who've dropped down to fourth place. Argentina have played six games, um, three wins and two shootout losses, or two shootout wins, so they're on 72.2%. Belgium have climbed up to third position without having played a game. Uh, they're at 66.7%, and Australia have dipped down to, far, to fourth place. They're currently on 58.3%. Eight games played, they've had four wins and one shootout win, which takes them above that 50%. I think they'll probably be a little bit disappointed with that after the home games, but uh, they're in the top four. If they keep working hard, they can stay there. Um, but the rest of the, the table pretty much stays at as is. Fifth, New Zealand. Sixth, Germany. Uh, China in seventh. Great Britain are in eighth place. United States in ninth place. But um, they've played half the games the Australians and New Zealanders have. Yeah, that's right. And on the men's side, um, Australia, after the weekend, have uh, moved into top position. So they've played seven games, had five wins, and currently sit on 76.2%. Um, they replaced Belgium there at the top of the table, who've only played four games. Um, but but clearly, I think, are probably the team to beat so far in this competition, especially leading um, into Europe soonish. They're on 75%. Then the next three spots are, are still the same, GB, Germany and Argentina. Um, Great Britain haven't played a game in a while. No. Um, so they'll be, um, be getting out there itching to play. So they've only played three games, had two wins, um, one extra time. Uh, oh, sorry, and one loss there. So they're on 66.7%. And then uh, the uh, Spain and the Netherlands um, did a bit of a switcheroo. The Spain, after getting another draw, um, <laughs> crept up their percentage to 44.4. The Dutch are on 40%. Um, and New Zealand there on the bottom of the table at 9.5%. Yeah. Only having a um, what's that, uh, a couple of um, extra time losses there. So no real real points there for the, the Kiwis. And they'll be hoping to change that when they head to Europe. Yeah, they're going to have a... a Tough, well, be a nice summer in Europe. It won't be a tough winter for <laughs> it. Might be, be nice over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to going to Europe through uh, the Kiwi, Kiwi now, winter. There's been a, a, a meeting over the weekend of the FIH executive, and uh, as an announcement's been made somewhere, I'm not sure where because I can't exactly find the source, but it's been reported that the FIH has made a, few, a number of decisions about the game at their committee meeting. But one of the points that came out is uh, a report about the FIH Pro League highlighted the successful launch in the first two months of the new global FIH competition and how all parameters, in particular athlete welfare, are being thoroughly analysed in order to finalise the 2020 match schedule with all stakeholders. It's Oh, it's interesting that they're talking specifically just about the match schedule there as far as uh, what they should be looking at um, in, in the sense it's an athlete welfare direct linkly direct link directly linked <laughs> get that one right <laughs> to to the match schedule so it's it's specifically looking at the match schedule as far as what they should do is some of that now I've got some audio that was recorded once again courtesy of the FIH and I believe this one was once again off the Hockey Roos Facebook page it's Paul Godoyne talking at the end of his press conference and it's specifically to do with fixturing but also a bit to do with what the Hockey Roos are doing You will head back to Perth and we'll we'll train there for four weeks or have a solid four weeks before we uh, start what we call the Pacific League Auckland uh, Buenos Aires and Pennsylvania so um, you know it's important that we we do well there now um, considering uh, this weekend Okay. Australia seems to be the only team that has had back-to-back games in the tournament Saturday, Sunday. Do you think that's taken a bit of a toll on the girls? Uh, no question. 
you know, no question. I think that's uh, um, something we'll try and uh, maybe rectify next year. Interesting words from Paul there. I mean, you, you picked it up in the game. Maybe that had been, obviously, a case of the tired legs. Obviously, the coach thought it was a, a factor as well. And there are some more back-to-back games coming up. I think Great Britain play a few. Spain plays, I think, one back-to-back game. I think yep. there's a couple for Argentina. As a player, would you be happy with that? Or would you rather see the days break? Oh, look, I think I'd rather see the days break. Um, you know, I think it's it's very tough. And, I mean... I don't know how the situation goes. Obviously, I, you know, I haven't played the way that these games have been scheduled. When I played, it was over a tournament over two two weeks, and, and we always played um, back-to-back games. But it was it was done by everyone, so it was considered the norm. Yeah. Um, and you know, everyone was put under that same level of stress. But it was always it's always difficult to back up. Um, you know, international hockey is just played at such a fast pace, and and um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, like we know here, everyone's chasing the summer. So, whenever you played, it was always really hot. You know, whenever you played in um, in India or Malaysia or um, you know in Australia as well, um, it was always really, really hot. So to back up, you know, a day after a game um, is always is always very tough. So that player welfare sort of side of things, um, you know, is always going to come under scrutiny. But I'm not sure how they can do it. Um, just because of the way that you know where where the countries are and they're spaced so far apart, they're not gonna, um, you know, I suppose, you know, fly one team and then come back five days later and and play it again. It's just not not gonna be the way that it can roll. I don't think so. I think they'd they'd rather get them done over the couple of days and then and then go. But I can't see why they couldn't do it. You know, maybe on a Friday night and then play on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Sunday. Um, you know, I don't think it would change the crowds a hell of a lot, um, especially if you play those games late late on a, on a Friday, um, I think you'd still get really good crowds come out to the games. You could probably make the Friday game for the older party crew and then the Sunday game for the family crew. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, they could. Um, but I think, I just don't think it would change it too much. Or if you've got, um, you know, if there's a day where, um, you know, it happened here where Australia um, were playing back to back and there was only you know one game for the kookaburras you know maybe they could have stretched that out over three days um you know instead of just doing it the saturday or sunday sort of thing they could have yeah. had a game over those three days and then um you know given the players that extra days break in between because it is it is really stressful in your body um and it will be interesting to see how um you know their bodies cope when they're playing through europe when they're flying basically you know Every every second third day and then playing again, um, I think it's going to get tough. You know, once that four week period is is finished, you're going to have some tired boys out there. Well, he made the point there too about the four week break. The, the yeah. hockey roos now don't play any hockey. Yeah, uh, for, for four weeks. For four basically. weeks in the middle yeah, of right. a, a so called season. Now I've I've got the official totally pro league Beatles calendar. <laughs> um, and filled out all the dates in here, and, and if you look at it like month by month basis, as each month goes on, a little bit heavier in the loading for the games that month, and then when you get to June, it's just bang, it just pops out of you. There's nearly games every day. Every Sunday has at least four games, if not five. Um, it, it's just packed with hockey, and yet you go back and back into into May, and there's there's several areas where the calendar could be filled up and some of these games spread out. Now I understand that 
there's uh, financial issues involved there with having these teams touring around and while they probably tried to squash Australia, New Zealand and Argentina playing all of those games in Europe at the end of the competition so they're there and it's it's all squeezed into that little little tiny zone at the end of the season but it's going to kill any sort of um, momentum that that's going here for the Hockey Roos. Yeah. Because they've finished their home games and now they're off and we won't see them again and not only are they playing away, they're not going to play for a month. Yeah, I suppose, look, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I think it is going to be interesting. Look, we, we had periods, um, you know, back in the day where we'd be home for, for two or three months before we actually played an international game. So, um, look, it'll be interesting the way that, that Paul Godoyne, you know, approaches this month it'll be a period where you know if they do have any injury concerns or niggles or, or anything like that they can get on top of um, I think maybe the scheduling has come down to, to possibly the, the you know the, maybe the Dutch and the, the German leagues when they're playing their finals generally they're through that that May period and, and you know I'm hearing whispers now about how um, you know there's there's touches in the commentary about you know why isn't such and such playing here you know it's because he's playing in the Dutch league or the German league or or in Belgium sort of thing where yeah. where they're getting a bit of extra cash and that's where you know that's where the guys do make their money is in in the club competitions um throughout Europe so um that scheduling is probably i think based around that a little bit um which generally ends around that May sort of period okay. and then they've literally just you know from there um probably you know, just just unloaded everything in in June to keep the ball rolling from the um, the local competitions, um, you know, and and try and keep that flow going there. But I think that you know, and all the clubs would want to have their players, their top level players, yeah. you know, playing in the hoof classer and, and the German leagues. Yeah, that's right. And 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 um, you know, those guys got to be there for those leagues to be as strong as what they have been yeah. over the past you know decade, fifteen years when um, you know you've had um, you know the great Aussie players and the great, you know, Kiwi players that were able to go and play in, you know, Europe and earn a few dollars because they just can't do it here, do you mean? You just don't get that, that money. So for those guys, hopefully they can still do that. Um, and, 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 you know, this, this pro league doesn't harm those leagues too much. A couple of things that if they are doing this lovely study about all things to do with the FIH competition and keeping it on it, games under lights, uh, I think, We've talked about it before being, it's, it's a different experience of going to a sporting event under lights. It's far more of an experience. Feel like you're inside, but yeah. you're outside and all those things. But, um, as we saw in the Germany Spain game last week, <laughs> games, games in daylight have a tendency to be very difficult to watch. Oh, it, it was, not very, not good. Oh, look, a lot of I, people complained. I, I tried to watch it the other day and it was was very difficult. So I'm not sure who's making the decisions regarding, you know, the camera angles and that sort of much. But it it wasn't very good for the game. Um, you know, the, the cameras were shooting into the sun on a shiny, you know, water based hockey pitch um, <laughs> with a yellow ball or you know I think it was yellow. White. I couldn't see it That's half white. the time. So yeah. um, you know, it was only from down the ground shots that you could actually see where the ball was so I was very disappointed that um, you know a better decision wasn't made where those those filming um, you know towers were put um, it wasn't like there was a massive stadium on the other side that could have um, you know blocked it off so um, they're things I think going forward in the future if they're going to play it you know in the mornings um, um, that they're going to have to really knuckle down because for the viewers um, it wasn't very good at all no. and 
it's funny you mentioned the, the down the ground look there. Andrew Wilson, who we had on last week's host, uh, speaking to him after we we recorded, he said, "Oh, I forgot to mention the down the ground view." Yeah. And he had this, uh, and he he said, "I've been speaking to other people who agree that this idea that the the." best way to view hockey is the down the ground from a camera high above the goalkeeper looking down the ground for a television audience because you can see it all happen with in front of you so to speak and you know you'd cut to a side shot for a little bit and if the ball keeps going you can go to the other end or you come back to that end would it be something you'd I mean you've probably seen more down the ground shots than most of us because you'd get all the training <laughs> tapes yeah I look know. I think it's look I, I think it's tough I think um I don't mind the view from the side. Um, I think you can get a closer shot. Um, for the view from behind to see what's happening and see where the forwards are leading, for reviewing, it's it's. I think it's the only way to watch the game, and that's why you find, um, you know, the teams have the towers at the end of the game because to to view the game and watch the game, you can see everything happening from from that angle. So there'd be a lot of people that would really enjoy watching it from that view. I know Jamie Dwyer does, and he's he's tweeted a bit as well. Um, I, th- I think it's probably tough to get a really good look um, for the, the TV audience from that sort of side of things because you are retracted a lot more from that down the ground shot. But I like how they're they're switching in between you know both if something's happening. Um, you can see you know where the movements of the forwards were and all that sort of stuff. And the other thing um, I'd like to see them look into is the standardisation of the match day experience. <laughs> we mentioned it last time yeah, you were about the Holland crowds and stuff, but um, I think that. Yeah, it's you've got to standardise the match day experience, I think. And so I think there is also room for a bit of uh, national flavour to be thrown in there, as whatever you want to call that and however you wanted to describe it or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think it's got to be the same for every pro league game. It is the pro league. It's it's The FIH is running it. it it's not the American league game or it's not yeah, the German right. league game. It's a pro it's it's that product and it should be have some sort of standardised format that the game's run by and maybe there's five minutes given over to folk dancing at every game. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. Something. Yeah, yeah. look I, I agree. I think I think they really need to make a, a massive effort to make it really enjoyable for the crowd. Um, and I think that's something that's really important and they probably do it really well through the European companies and it's much easier to do it I think in a night game um, just because that atmosphere Good and fireworks. That, yeah and that, just that feel and I mean I always loved playing at night time with a you know with a, a great massive crowd um, it's it's really only unless you've, you've got a huge crowd that I think through the day you can really get you know a good atmosphere um, you know you get that a lot through through Holland where they've got some really tight Stadiums close to the field, you know. Um, Amsterdam at Wigner Stadium was a was a classic one from that. When that was filled through the daytime, you know, there was nothing better than playing on a you know on a great spring sort of day in in Amsterdam with the crowd going crazy. So, um, nighttime will bring that that atmosphere a little bit more. But I suppose in Spain it's pretty hard as well because everyone's having a sleep (laughs) earlier on, and unless the games are at at, uh, at 11 o'clock at night, um, you're probably not going to get the crowds there. Oh, well, watch out, mate. You'll, you'll be playing a game down at the uh, the new Magpie Turf soon, or we'll be giving it to you. We'll, we'll create an yeah, atmosphere. Down at Cowburn, Cowburn down there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, let's get to next week's games. <laughs> You are listening to Totally Pro League, John Lee and Grant Schubert here with you. And, um, well, the vagaries of the calendar come up again this week because uh, the 
next two games are potentially happening before you've even listened to this podcast. Uh, the 21st and 22nd, uh, this Thursday and Friday, the ladies will be action in Wujin. It's China versus Argentina on the 21st and New Zealand on the 22nd. Both of those games getting underway at 4pm local time, which happens to be 4pm local time for us here in Perth. So if you know how <laughs> what the time difference is between you and Perth, you can figure out what time that yeah. game is getting underway. Then we have a break. There is no FIH hockey over this weekend. Really disappointing. And the next game is the following Friday, the 29th, when the US taken on Belgium at Spooky Nook, and uh, which is a, a 7 p.m. game there in the US, which makes it 7 a.m. on Saturday morning for us. And uh, again on Sunday, the 31st, Argentina are at home. Uh, the women taking on China and the men taking on Spain as well as the USA taking on Great Britain on that Sunday so that's a a 3am and a a 5am game and a a 6am game for us there on the Monday morning (laughs) as well but uh, that's one of the reasons I I don't like the hole in the calendar as such Um, with midweek games and then nothing on the weekend I would have thought there should have been a mandate that there's games on every Every weekend yeah absolutely I think um Look, that's that's something they're just going to have to look at the scheduling and something that they'll improve on. Um, it's a first year, and I think it's good, but there's obviously ways that they could improve it to make sure that they keep that um, that viewership going um, and they keep the crowd ascend- attendances up as well. Have you managed to catch much of China at all? Um, a little bit, yeah, just just bits and pieces there. Um, you know, from their last couple of games, they seem to be close, but they're just not quite getting there. So I think these these next two games. Um, are going to be really, really telling for them. Um, Argentina are playing some, some very good hockey at the moment. I think so. I think they're going to find it very tough. Um, New Zealand obviously coming off a very good win yeah. you know, against Australia. Um, you know they're going to be, they're going to be tough as well. So um, I think if they they get a couple of losses there, I think it'll be very hard for them to to find their way into the top four. I think as a, a road fixture, that's probably the toughest. Not because you're going to China and they speak Chinese, because lots of the athletes are going to different countries where yeah. they speak different languages. Just the physical travelling involved with getting there and home again. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's one of the tougher, tougher trips. Yeah. Well, great to have you in again, Grant. Pleasure. Good to be here. When's your season get underway? <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks, I think. So, oh, a couple um, of weeks. Yeah, mine might be delayed a little bit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the old um, Mr. Calf. Came back again to haunt me. Oh, the old man's at the backyard here. The old man's really catching up. So, um, yeah, we might have a couple of extra week weeks off to spend with the family, but uh, no, we'll, be right. we'll, we'll get out there. Oh, look, thanks for your company tonight. <laughs> Stick with the pro league, folks. Games go up Thursday and Friday. We'll be back next week. More next time. Bye for now.